and the news media plus a lot more. It is very relevant in America today. 911, operator 901, where's the emergency? 127, bring me. Okay, what's going on there? I'd like to order a pizza for delivery. Ma'am, you've reached 911. This is an emergency line. Uh, large with half pepperoni, half mushroom. Um, you know you've called 911. This is an emergency line. Do you line. know how long it'll be? Okay, ma'am. Is everything okay over there? Do you have an emergency or not? Yes. And you're unable to talk because... Right, right. Okay, is there someone in the room with you? Just say yes or no. Yes. Okay, um... Like I have an officer about a mile from your location. Are there any weapons in your house? No. Can you stay on the phone with me? No. Uh, see you soon. Thank you. Hey, yo, I don't even know you and I hate you. See, all I know is that my girlfriend used to date you. How would you feel if she held you down and raped you? Tried and tried, but she never could escape you. She was in love, and I'd ask her how. I mean, why? What kind of love from a nigga would black your eye? What kind of love from a nigga every night make you cry? What kind of love from a nigga make you wish he would die? I mean, shit, he bought you things and gave you diamond rings. But them things wasn't worth none of the pain that he brings. And you stayed. What made you fall for him? That nigga had the power to make you crawl for him I thought you was a doctor, be on call for him Smack you down, cause he said you was too tall for him huh. That wasn't love, baby girl, you was dreaming I could've killed you when you said your seed was growing from his seed is blind And it'll take over your mind What you think is love is truly not You need to elevate and find Love is blind And it'll take over your mind Kill you myself. You played with her like a doll and put her back on the shelf. Wouldn't let her go to school and better herself. She had a baby by your ass and you ain't giving no help, uh huh. Big time hustler, snake motherfucker. One's born every day and every day she was your sucker. How could you beat the mother of your kids? How could you tell her that you love her? Don't give a fuck if she lived. She told me she would leave you. I admit it, she did. But came back, made up a lie about you missing your kids. Sweet kisses. Baby ain't even know she was your mistress. Had to deal with this fights and phone calls from your bitches. Lost like you possessed her, telling me to mind my business. That it was her life and stay the fuck out of it. I tried and said just for him, I keep a ready clip. Love is blind. And it'll take over your mind What you think is love is truly not You need to elevate and find Love is blind And it'll take over your mind What you think is love is truly not You need to elevate and find I don't even know you and I want you dead Don't know the facts but I saw the blood pour from my head See I Lay down beside her in the hospital bed And about two hours later, doctor said she was dead Had the nerve to show up at her mother's house the next day To come and pay your respects and help the family pray Even knelt down on one knee and let a tear drop And before you had a chance to get up, you heard my gun cock Praying to me now, I ain't God but I pretend I ain't start your life with nigga, I'ma bring it to an end And I did, clear shots and no regrets Never cops come and lock me under the jail Nigga whatever, my bitch, fuck that, my sister You can never figure out, even if if I let you live, what I love was all about I consider her my blood and it ain't come no thicker Love is blind And it'll take over your mind What you think is love 
is truly not You need to elevate and find is blind And it'll take over your mind What you think is love is truly not You need to elevate and find is blind And it'll take over your mind What you think is love is truly not You need to elevate and find is blind and it'll take over your mind What you think is love is truly not You need to elevate and find is blind No more, it's none of my business No more, I'm sure they'll work it out No more, boys will be boys No more, I'll say something next time No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him No more, she's too smart to let that happen No more, not my problem no more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. The doctor is in. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Dr. J. Thomas. This is the HIV Diaries podcast on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and Podbean. How you doing out there? You doing all right? How's your summer treating you since all this COVID mess? It's been a little different, hasn't it? You know, it's, it's weird going back out in public. I was at a store not too long ago here in the Toledo area, locally owned uh, record shop, where they were only letting one person in the store at a time. And the capacity was like 50, and they were letting one person in at a time. That is it. <laughs> that just People are going too far with this. I mean, I get it. I'm not oblivious to it. You understand? It's just people are taking it just in a very bizarre direction, aren't they? So anyways, this particular program, it's going to be an interesting one, okay? It has been brought to my attention that I have some people's attention now because, well, when others were being naughty and they got called on the carpet, they didn't like it too well. And believe it or not, it wasn't the people at the University of Toledo Medical Center, Ryan White Clinic. Totally different group of people. So, I have a brand new disclaimer. A brand new one. Are you ready? Here it goes. This is the list of things you will not be hearing on this program. If you hear me say something on this program, it is totally and completely 100% true. Thought maybe by now people would have realized that, but nonetheless. Number two, I have said this before and I will say it again, and I'll say it for the people in the back. The program is titled The HIV Diaries. It is a diary of an individual who lives with HIV about what I go through in my life. It may be related to something having to deal with me living with HIV. It could just be me talking about something I do in my everyday life. You never know what you're going to hear on this program. However, if something is on my mind and there's something I want to talk about, then guess what? We're going to do it. 
and I am still entitled to my opinion. And if you don't like my opinion, change the channel. There is nothing stopping you from doing that. There are tens of hundreds of thousands of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. And if you chose to listen to mine, God bless you. I appreciate it. Because the market is really saturated right now. So thank you. I appreciate that. And I will do everything within my power to keep this program as entertaining as possible. But understand, at the end of the day, this is still an entertainment-based podcast. I'll give you facts. I'm not going to tell you anything that isn't true. And when I lay out what is true, I'm going to give you my opinion on it. And I have a right to that. But if you want to know what I'm capable of, and you want to know how vicious I can be, do me a favor. For those of you who are able to do this, who may be listening, pick up the phone, call the legal department at the University of Toledo Medical Center, and ask them how vicious I can be when I'm motivated. I cannibalized those people in a very public fashion. I don't deal well with bullies. And I don't deal well with people who manipulate others and take advantage of others. And that's kind of what we're going to be discussing on this week's show. And uh, domestic violence, uh, sadly, is a part of everyday life for a lot of people. I was in a relationship with somebody for a very long time that used to beat the living hell out of me, but never once did I ever, 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 under any circumstances whatsoever, lay a hand on her. Why? Because I know it's not right to hit a woman. Hitting a woman is wrong. I don't care what the justification is. I don't care how you try to blame what goes on or what has went on, rather, earlier on in your life. It's not your mommy's fault that you hit a woman. It's not your daddy's fault that you hit a woman. It's not the world's fault that you hit a woman. It's, it's not your kids you can't control. It's your fault. Period. Point blank. No questions asked. Then you get these people who have public records of beating women. They continue to find ways to get it justified. <laughs> you know, it's like... How do you look in the mirror and say to yourself, eh, it's okay to slap a woman? Look, what goes through your mind? What goes through your head? What is it that you say to yourself when you wake up in the morning and you go to the bathroom and you're getting awake, you're wiping all the crust out of your eyes, maybe you're making a pot of coffee and you say, well, gorgeous day. I'm going to go mow the lawn. I'm going to come back in and I'm going to slap my wife. Going to be a good day at work. What is wrong with you? You know? And the lawyers, the lawyers that justify that behavior. Wow. How does that work? You know, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not trying to laugh, and I, I know it's not funny, but what goes through your head as a lawyer? You know, you got your client sitting there as guilty as hell. You know, my client, um, he works very hard, and uh, he provides for his family, and, you know... Um, he didn't exactly grow up in the greatest of circumstances, Your Honor. You see, uh, this individual um, had, um, he was, uh, when, uh, well, you know, Your Honor, um, hang on here. Let me take a drink. <clears throat> Your Honor, Your Honor, Your Honor, I don't know what to do. My client's guilty as hell. I'm trying to figure out, I mean, what the f***? <laughs> you know? I mean, come on. And then to go along with that, how do you go to bed at night knowing that you left a bruise or a black eye or something, God forbid, a hundred times worse on the mother of your children and then turn around and say, Dada loves you. How do you do that? Isn't that sick? And I've got kind of a personal story here that I want to tell. Um, and I'm going to talk to you about my mom today. A few things you need to know before I do this is um, I am the oldest of three children. And I am the only child out of all three that my mom and dad had that remembers when my mom and dad were married. I remember when they split, I remember when they divorced, and I remember everything that went along with that. When uh, I was a very young child, we're talking three, four years old, I knew there was always stuff going on around me, but I could never really process everything, but I was, I was seeing it. You know what I mean? I was aware. It was late. 1986, I believe, late 86, yeah, latter part of 86, my mother attempted suicide right in front of me, and uh, she did it by swallowing an entire bottle of pills. Sound familiar? Isn't it weird how history repeats itself? <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? For the longest time, I blocked it out. And then I got a little bit older and everything just kind of came back, you know? And I've spoken before about spousal abuse, both sides. And my mother accused my father of this. And I can tell you unequivocally, completely and totally, 100%, my father never, ever, under any circumstances, laid a hand on me never happened there were some mental issues that my mother had at the time that um some of it was postpartum some of it was the fact that she was legitimately bipolar and this was before a lot of the science was the way it was about that condition and she was she was uh she she was not a fun person to be around which was really unfortunate because she was still my mom and you know, when you're growing up, you want your parents, you want your mom and dad, but at the same time, you also want to feel safe. 
Sadly, a lot of my mom's problems began to manifest themselves in the form of um, drug addiction and uh, at one point solicitation. And there were some other things too that went on. Um, it affects you as you get older and you never really quite get over it. You just, you just, I guess, learn to deal with it in different ways. Sometimes it's healthy, sometimes it's not. When I was younger, I dealt with it in very unhealthy ways. As I've gotten older, I've learned to accept that I can't change those things, but I can at least see to it that the next generation doesn't have to go through what I did, you know, breaking the curse. Under no circumstances whatsoever do I want any child to have to go through what I did. Do I want any family to have to experience that? It was incredibly traumatic. And also the laws were a little bit different back then. You know, when my parents divorced, I went to go live with my father and my two brothers went to go live with my mother. And because of my mother's issues, sadly, my two brothers were shipped around to different places and ended up in different places. My mother had a lot of problems. And thankfully, before my mother passed away, she was able to get her life on track and, and get herself straight and on the straight and narrow. And she got remarried and the whole deal. And, and sadly, she contracted an illness and, and passed away in a chopper on her way to a hospital in Indianapolis. And that was a very bizarre night. And that's, and that's, a, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But point of all this that I'm getting into today. Ever since I did that series on domestic violence and I spoke about what went on in my own life, it's just stayed with me because I don't want anybody to have to go through what I did, nor do I want any child to have to go through what I did. And you know, after my divorce, I didn't think I would find anybody else that would want to be with me. And a lot of it was because of what had been instilled in me that, you know, nobody was going to want to be with me because I had HIV. Didn't matter that I was undetectable. Nobody was going to want to be with me. And, you know, the interesting part about that is I did experience some insecurity from people because the second they hear it, they think, oh my God, well, I'm going to get it. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. If it's it, the world has changed. I still live with it, but the world has changed. But for the longest time, that was how I felt. And then I met somebody who didn't care. It's not that they were okay with it. You understand that's not the case, but they looked at it as, okay, well, we'll just live with it. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll be there for you. You be there for me. And we got to know each other. And, you know, I've spoken before about abuse in relationships and um sadly this individual had experienced some of that i mean to the point where there is an order of protection in place oh i'm sorry do i have to say allegedly experienced i'm waiting on the uh, next legal letter to come in <sighs> anyways so in experiencing this and hearing these stories i find out that she had a child out of this relationship. And I'm going to tread lightly with this. But I met this very bright, smart, just bubbly, 
an overall fun little girl not too long after I uh, met her mom. And let me tell you something about this little girl. She loves Funyuns. <laughs> she loves Funyuns. And, and not just any Funyuns, okay? So down where I'm from in Lima, we have this little snack maker called Rudolph Foods. And they make, I guess, their own little version of the onion-flavored snacks, right? And man, she thought these were the greatest things in the world. She still does. She loves them. She will sit there. I'll, I'll, I'll turn around. She'll have like half the bag on. I'm like, hey. And this is her response every single time. Uh. <laughs> it's the cutest little thing. And you know, I see this little girl and I'm reminded of how precious life is. Here's a humorous story about my dad. Let me tell you about the time my dad killed someone. <laughs> okay. Now, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, it's not what you think. He didn't like whip out an axe and cut someone's head off. Although there's times I'm sure he probably thought about it. Well, I wonder if I can get away with this. Let me tell you the story. It's about 25 years ago or so. Down in Lima, there was this store, uh, and some of you may have had it in the different cities uh, that you may listen to the show in. It was called Sun TV and Appliances, and they sold washers, dryers, televisions, uh, game systems, VCRs. It's kind of like the best buy of their day. And we used to go on a regular basis, if nothing else, just to look around, see what was new. We, you know, grab a movie because they sold movies and you know just we'd just go hang out okay because it was it was fun things were just different 25 years ago right so one day we're leaving sun tv and uh sitting there whatever and i don't remember i think we may have been on our way to the grocery store and we're backing up and there's this guy who's in front of my father who's backing up along with him and he ain't stopping the car stops and I see my father take his seatbelt off <laughs> and I turn to my dad and I say, dad, please behave. <laughs> and he's like, well, we should have stopped. Blah, blah. I'm like, okay. Whatever. So I'm sitting there. Right. And my dad's like, let's see what he has to say. And he gets out of the car and the other gentleman gets out of the car and the other gentleman who got out of the car that was in front of him who wouldn't stop, by the way. And my father was right about this, would not stop. He was in a, he was older, late 70s, early 80s gentleman, right? And before my dad can say anything, this older gentleman looks my father, my father, directly in the eyes and says, what the hell's your problem? And I just put my hand in my head and went, oh God, here it comes. Because I knew what was coming. And my father laid into him with this blistering. I mean, it's just like he was stacking Oreos. It was just so nasty. Okay. And this guy, this older gentleman's like all of a sudden getting scared. And he's like, hey, man, I, I wasn't trying to like my dad just point takes his finger. Like uh, any of you who had a father who had the finger, you know, what I'm talking about not the middle finger, but the finger where he, where he would point, you know, what I'm talking about point at you. Hey, you get over here. You know, that kind of thing. That's what happened here. And I'm like, oh, God, he's got the finger out, <laughs> you know. 
and the guy is shaking, the old guy's shaking, and he gets back in his car and drives away. My dad gets back in the car, puts his seatbelt on, and I'm like, Dad. He's like, what? He should have stopped. Okay. That's not the end of the story. <laughs> Fast forward about a couple, three days later, right? I'm over at my grandparents' house. And my grandparents used to get the paper. Okay, they had a subscription. And the paper's sitting there on the table. And he's like, ah, I'll see what's going on today in the paper. And I used to read the comics, sports, and obits. That was my thing back when I was a kid. And I opened up the paper to the B section, page two, obituaries. And I'm greeted by a picture of this man from the parking lot at Sun TV and Appliances. So-and-so aged, whatever it was, 80-81, died this day. And it was literally either that day or the day after. And I was like, oh, my God. And I showed it to my grandma. And my grandma was like, oh, come on. That's not I'm like, no, grandma, you weren't there. It was crazy. Call my dad. I'm like, dad, do you have the paper? Why? And I uh, told him. He's like, well, I'm, I'm on my way over. You can show me. And I opened it up and I showed it to him. I'm like, dad, that's the guy. And he looks at it. And I swear to God, couldn't make this up. After my father sees it and reads the whole article, he puts his head up and he goes, well, that's what he gets for not stopping. <laughs> My dad. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> but that's a true story. Right? So, that's kind of a humorous story. Now, let me tell you a serious story about my father. Okay? You know, I've talked before about being involved in situations and kind of getting caught in the middle and trying to not repeat certain situations. So I'm about eight or nine years old. My dad and my mom had started to communicate again, and they were actually being cordial to each other for once. And so my mom calls my dad, and it's in the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday and says, hey, you mind if I pick up Joe to go um, maybe take him somewhere? We can go hang out or whatever. And my dad's like, well, what are you thinking? And I guess from what I recall was the circus was in town and my dad's actually his attitude was, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, uh, I'm sure he'll have a good time. My dad asked me and I was like, yeah, it'd be fun because I'm like eight or nine, 90, Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, this is pre-internet. Of course, circus sounds fun, right? So my mom says, okay, I'll, I'll be there to pick up Joe at whatever time it was. 6 37 o'clock it starts at i think eight whatever okay fine around 6 6 15 or so the phone rings and it's my mom and my dad picks up the phone of course and she says something to the effect of hey i'm sorry i'm gonna be a little late let joe know i'm gonna be there i promise i'm just running a little bit behind right now and my dad says well can you kind of give me a time here kim i mean you know and and it's like well it's it's gonna be probably closer to 7 15 or 7 30 but let him know i promise i'll get there we're gonna go directly to the circus i promise okay hangs up the phone hey i got some bad news your mom's gonna be late she'll be here though she says she's gonna be here you know this and that so it gets to be like seven o'clock right 
And we had like this patio door with curtains and the patio door looked out onto the parking lot so I could see her pull in. I could see cars pull in and see her pull in, right? So I'm standing at the patio door and I'm like looking every minute. Oh, is she here? Oh, is she here? Oh, is she here? Gets to be 7, 7.15, 7.30. She's not here. 7.45, 8 o'clock. Circus starts. No mom. Phone rings. Hello? And it's like, hey, Jim, please tell Joe I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm really, really, really sorry. My dad said, hey, Kim, I'm going to take this in the other room. Can you hang on for a second? She's like, yeah. So my dad goes in the other room and takes the call and says, hey, Joe, just hang out here on the couch. I'll be right back. Goes in the other room, has the phone call, and I hear the phone call end, and he hangs up the phone. He makes another phone call. You know, he didn't make that phone call. He was answering my mom, of course, but he makes a phone call. Come to find out, here's what the phone call was after he had gotten off the phone with my mom. My mom's saying she's not going to be able to make it for the upteenth time. My father had plans to go out that night with some friends from work, and he was calling them to let them know that he wasn't going to be able to make it because he was going to hang out with his kid all night. And he gets done with his phone call, and he comes out. And he says, your mom's not going to be able to make it. And she just wants to let you know that she apologizes. And I remember just kind of sitting there like, man, that sucks. I wanted to go to circus. And my dad's like, I know, I know. And it goes quiet for a second. And he says, hey, I have an idea. Keep in mind, this was Saturday night in the early, early, early 90s. Guess what we had just done? We had just watched WCW Wrestling on TBS at 6.05 on Saturday night. So we had just got done watching it. And he said, hey, I have an idea. Let's go to Dave's video. We'll get a movie. I'll take you to Fat Jack's. We'll get a pizza. We'll come home, have pizza, and watch a movie together. Go! Oh, I get to get... Yeah. You know. Because I'm like eight. <laughs> to an eight-year-old back then, that was cool. And I remember the movie that we went and rented... And it was a movie called China O'Brien. And I've got a digital copy of that now. Go figure, right? But here's the thing. My father didn't have to do that. He didn't have to cancel his plans he had with his buddies from work to go out. He could have very easily called my grandma. She probably would have watched me. It wouldn't have been an issue. But he canceled his plans and decided to hang out with me for the night. And after my, the, the other parent in my life had disappointed me. And it might have just been pizza and a videotape of a B martial arts movie. But that meant the world to me. And I still remember it 30 years later. And I'm just going to say this and I'll say it out loud. And I'm not going to make any accusations. But I'm just going to point blank call this as I see this. How can you look as a man in the eyes of a young girl who is developing and think it's perfectly okay to do unacceptable things to her mother? I look at that little girl and I can't imagine. I just can't. And you know... I don't have a public record of abuse. 
because I've never once laid my hands on a woman. And I'm going to tell you something. If I can be even a tenth of the man that my father was at that point in time to the little girl of my girlfriend at any given time, then to me, I will not only consider myself to be a minor success, but I will have shown that little girl on the right direction to how a man is supposed to treat a woman. And she will carry that through the rest of her life. Say, well, what if she's gay? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I guess that means I'm going to be fitted for a dress here soon, huh? <laughs> oh, my. All right. So, anyways, thank you so much for joining us on the program. My name is Dr. Jay Thomas. This is the HIV Diaries podcast on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and Podbean, Spirit Life Media at yahoo.com, facebook.com, backslash HIV Diaries. We're going to be back. We're going to start doing more of these shows. I'm going to start putting more and more of my life that I've lived into these shows uh, just simply because it's we all go through life and life is funny and I think at the end of the day we find out that we have a lot more in common than what we all realize and if we stop being so divisive and we start realizing to accept everybody for who they are we might find out we have a lot more in common than what we realize Catch y'all on the flip side. This is the HIV Diaries. Y'all be good out there. Stay safe and God bless. There are some places in this world. I can't see you back there. Where a pretty girl should never walk alone. But I can feel you. Unless her name is China O'Brien. She's one of them chop suey fighters. Once. She was a big city cop. Reconsider. Now, she's on her own. Heading for the most dangerous place of all. The place she once called home. China! Some changes around town since you've gone, China. I'll never touch a gun again. Where she learned to love. Where she learned to fight. Where she watched them kill her father. Now, she means to clean up his town in her own way with a little help from her friends. We'll have to remind him where the power is. She's out to stop crime. Cold. And teach the killers a lesson they'll never forget. 
She's one girl who fights. As good as she looks. Cynthia Rothrock is China O'Brien.